This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Definitely Tisha B'Av night, um, whether in Eretz Yisrael or here. Um, definitely going to be my subject matter this year. Very different than in the past years. Um, I'm going to talk about someone that went through a lot of trauma, a lot of dysfunction, a lot of pain. And I think that... Um, I think that our generation, our reaction to trauma and pain, um, has changed. We have sort of become victims, and I'm talking about not as not only as a detail, as a private person, but as a as a group. Um, we feel persecuted. We feel different. Um, we give a reason to everything that we do wrong. A lot of the word addiction is used. Some of it's true, some of it's not. Tishabov is a time when really you'd think about it from a therapeutic point of view. If you were a therapist, to sit on the floor, um, and go over all the terrible tragedies that happened to the Jews, and I mean terrible tragedies where women ate their children, in some of the kinnis that we read, where the Asaya Ruge Malchus died in such a terrifying way, from a therapeutic point of view, that's, that's just going to trigger all types of pain. In fact, there are two kinnis that are written about the about the Holocaust. Isn't it better to to look forward? Why should we sit and go over imagine you came to a therapy session and they're telling you, let's go over everything let's go over about all the people that died in your life. Let's go over all the trauma, everything all the abuse that you went through. Let's go through all the pain. Let's just sit here and go through all the pain. You you, you wouldn't be able to make it. But on but on Tishabov we specifically sit for hours and read every terrible story, whether it was the massacre of Mainz, whether it's the Holocaust, whether it's the first basement, the second basement, the saddest stories that, that, are, that were ever written. Um, two boats going to Rome, one full of boys, one full of girls, I think 300 or 400 in each boat, and they knew they were being taken to Rome to houses of ill repute, the boys and the girls. And the girls looked up at Shemayim and they said, we are Jewish girls, we're not going to do this. And they all jumped off the boat and died. Not to do the wrong thing. And the boys, who were the guys in yeshiva, right, saw what the girls did and then they also did the same thing. Not to say that suicide is a Jewish thing, it's not. But at that time, and with the situation that was going on at that time, it was a decision that they made. Because the truth is that it's not adultery. You're not, you don't have to give up your life for that situation. But when there's certain public situations, even for Shabbos in the Spanish Inquisition, people were led, you know, they, they could have said that they believe in Christianity, which I'm not sure if it's an avoid desire. It is, it isn't, whatever, or Muslims, whatever, to convert. And they gave up their lives. So when, when the halacha, not the halacha, but when it's a public thing, 
So then it's a big thing to give up your life, you know, L'shem Shemayim, Rabbi Akiva, as he was dying, he said to his Talmidim, they could not believe what they were watching, they were raking him to death with metal rakes, and he said to his Talmidim, he always prayed for the moment that his neshama could go out in the middle of Kriyashma when he said, B'chol b'chol modacha. He definitely didn't feel sorry for himself, that's for sure. And Rabbi Akiva, if you take his life a little bit, right, he was, he was ignorant until he was 40 years old. He didn't even know the Aleph Beis. He didn't like Chachamim. He was maybe OTD, off the derech, now that we have a new, we have initials. We like, it's a big thing to always have initials. Everything has initials. So, so um, he was off the derech until he was 40, and then he found God, actually found, he got married and he found God, and after he found God, he opened up a yeshiva, bigger than mere yeshiva or Panovich, or even brisk, 24,000 Talmidim. Wow. Bigger than Lakewood. 24,000 Talmidim. Look what he did. He came from being a Balchuva, not being able to read, to be the Rebbe of 24,000 Talmidim. And they all die. Can you imagine that? Zutarev Zuzchairam. You open up a yeshiva, you kill yourself, right? You change your whole life. You're so proud, and every one of them dies. At that point, you should have looked up at Hashem, right? Because we, we are, we're into the blame game in our generation. It's your fault, Hashem. Look what you did to me, right? We're victims. Everyone's victims, right? Look what you did to me. I opened the yeshiva. Noah Weinberg, before he got Asha Torah, I think he had nine failures, nine bankruptcies. He opened up nine yeshivas. Didn't work. Failed nine times till he got Esha Torah. You got to do yours. Hashem has to do his. I always talk about that. You have to do yours. You're not God. Not everything you touch is going to grow. Not everything you build is going to stand. You have to do yours, right? What did the mission picker ever say? It's not up to you to finish, but you have no excuse not to start. I love that mission. Lo lecha ligmar. It's not for you to finish. But you have, but there's no reason for you not to start. Your job is to start. So here's Rabbi Akiva. So he should have said at that point, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to work. Whatever. I opened the yeshiva. I did my best. 24,000 guys learning Torah, and they're all dead. Instead, he reopened. And his Talmidim are the ones that the Gemara, everything, his Talmidim was mamish put Yiddishkeit back together again. Put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Well, at that point, I would have been walking around. I would have been a good speaker, that's for sure. Everybody would have hired me because I'm a Balchuva, right? Who became a rabbi, who had 24,000 Talmidim. They all died, so there was a lot of trauma we could talk about, right? I went through trauma. And then I opened up another yeshiva and I had all the rabbeim. Right? And Hashem, like, you, you gotta really take good care of me. And only the Rebbe Kiva was thinking about that all that is not good enough. I need, it's, it's unbelievable. You think he gave everything for Hashem? He gave everything for Hashem. He gave, no, he said, I didn't give everything for Hashem. I didn't die for him. I didn't do the ultimate. So in his head, it was like, if I'm gonna die, I should go die in a bed on a ventilator. I want to die al Kiddush Hashem. I want to die dying al Kiddush Hashem. I don't want to die in a hospital. I don't want to die in a bed. I want to die al Kiddush Hashem that the last 
word that should come out of my mouth is I love you Hashem with my whole soul and my whole heart and all my materialistic being. That's how I want to die. It wasn't good enough everything else he did. So he, he didn't victimize himself. He didn't walk around and feel sorry for himself. Just the opposite. He was never happy until he could give the ultimate. I think a little bit, it's, it's maybe it's not such a good nature to work for such a person. Right? Um, many people come to me and they're like, Ray Walston, you know, you have a high school and a seminary. Like, like you did so much. Like, why don't you do focus on what you did? And I told them that I was brought up by a, a father that we never focused on what we did. We focused on what we didn't do. It's a very different life. You never focus. You never look back and said, whoa, look what I built. It's like looking for it and saying, whoa, look what I didn't build. All the houses I built, so to say, all the apartment buildings, all the houses. I'm not looking at those houses. I'm looking at the vacant lot in front of me. I didn't, I didn't build on that vacant lot yet. I had an interview today, a very interesting interview. And, you know, the more you talk, the more you hear yourself talk. And, 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 and he said to me, like, what's Ornava? What is Ornava? And I said, we opened it up to be a post-seminary place for girls to come, have Israeli dancing and yoga, Jewish yoga, and meditation and some food in the back, and, um, and, and a couple of shiurim so that they come back from Eretz Yisrael. I said, he said, so how did it become what it is? I mean, shiduchim and, 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 and helping kids with therapy and everything that we do. I mean, there's, there's nothing for a Jewish woman that, that Ornava doesn't do today. Doctors, I mean, I know more women doctors than women know women doctors, right? Besdin, doctors, divorce, shalom bias, psych wards, rehabs. I mean, there's nothing healthy shiurim, healthy people, making shiduchim. It's not just for unhealthy people. It's for, for everybody, right? So how did that happen? It wasn't open for that. And the answer is, it went by the need. Somebody would come and say, well, Wednesday night's not good because my friends are in college. They want to come Tuesday night. Okay, we opened up Tuesday night. Some girls say, like, I don't like kickboxing. Too much movement. I'm, I'm not such an exerciser. Let's do yoga. Okay, we'll do yoga. Another one's like, well, what's yoga and kickboxing? I want to learn how to dance. Israeli dancing. We, we, we moved according to what was needed. And since so much is needed, it started to grow in many different ways to the, to the point where, um, I don't have any pictures, but I'm going to bring you a lot of pictures. Wallerstein is, is checking out the hay to see if it's the right hay for the horses. I mean, I did not buy into that when I opened up Ornava. Right? I really didn't buy into that. But we need horses. So we have horses. And horses need hay. So we have hay, right? And horseshoes and, and, and doctors for horses. And I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot, right? But because that's what we need. And if tomorrow we need something else, you know, and, 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 and also the farming, which I have to talk about this for a minute. I have to talk about this for a minute. So, so many kids with, with low self esteem, not kids, everybody has low self esteem. Nobody can think they can do anything, right? People don't think they can do anything. They just. And, and I think maybe it's because, I don't want to blame technology because I'm, I'm, I'm on technology all the time, but one of the therapies is probably one of the best therapies in the world is farming. Because you take a girl or a boy, doesn't make a difference, a human being who thinks they can do nothing. Nobody likes me. I don't have a degree. 
I'm not smart. I'm not pretty. Um, I'm not so social. So the biggest problem, depression, comes from low self-esteem. Because you're not depressed if you, think, if you think you can do stuff. Guess what? If you think you can do stuff, you do stuff. But slowly but surely, you go to school. You don't look so good in school. So then, you, you know, school is what we're all about. Beauty is what we're all about. So when you're not doing so good in beauty or you're not doing so good in school, right, then you don't feel good about yourself. And people don't like to do things that they're not good at. I think one of the biggest reasons that kids go off the derech, right, is because the derech, the derech that they're going off is school. They go to school and Gemara, right, and the Torah and Shabbos and Yiddishkeit is the subject. And I'm not so smart. And I'm not getting 95s. And I can't concentrate. So I'm not doing so well in Chumash, Gemara, Shabbos, Mishle, whatever you girls learn, whatever it is. So I'm not such a great student. And then you got that five girls in the class, they get hundreds, they don't even have to study. And they're like, after you study 20 hours and you got like a 68, they're like, why don't we have harder questions? And why don't we have extra credit? And you're sitting there like, you want to rip their head off? Like harder questions? Like, what do you do, right? And Okay, Hashem gave him 185 IQ. Thank you very much. You didn't give that to me. Right? So what happens in our head is I'm a failure in school. But since school and Judaism is one today, I'm a failure in Judaism. So in my head, I don't know how to learn Gemara. I don't, I don't know how to learn Chumash. I have a learning disability and I can't read well and I don't write good notes and I don't write good compositions, right? So I am a failure in school, but in our head it's not a failure in school. You're a failure in Judaism because school and Judaism is one. Your mark on your test is Yiddishkeit. Instead of school being school and Judaism being life, Judaism became school. So all of these kids who don't do well in school automatically in their head are not doing well in Yiddishkeit because school in Yiddishkeit is one and I, nobody wants to do something I try to push kids all the time we don't like to do things we're not good at I always tell teach, parents find something that your kid's good at she's a good dancer she doesn't have the head for school she's artistic Right? She's a lefty. She's artistic. She's a dancer. She can't sit for five minutes in school. Take her for dancing lessons. Take her for ballet lessons. Let her experience something she's good at. He's a good ball player. Go check this guy into a team on a monthly Shabbos. And and you're his father and mother. Go watch him play. Watch him hit the basket. Watch him put him on a hockey. Do something he's good at. He's good at learning? Good. So then he will, you don't have to push him. Someone's good at learning, learns. We all like to do stuff that we're good at. We don't like to do things we're not good at. Everyone's good at farming. You take a piece of land, you dig a hole, you put a little tomato seed in, you pack it in, you water it, you think you're a nobody, right? You put a couple of seeds in, all of a sudden, two weeks later, There's a green plant with a little teeny tomato. And as it grows, you keep checking it out and you put a fence around because you don't want your rabbits eating your tomato. And the Gemara says that what you plant is worth nine times, tomato that you plant is worth nine times more than a tomato that you buy. So all of a sudden this girl 
who doesn't think she can do anything. She's got corn growing that she planted. She's got cucumbers growing. She's got tomatoes and string beans. She planted it. It's not very hard to do. She planted it. And then you harvest it. And she takes her tomatoes and her cucumbers that she planted and makes a salad for everyone out of what she did. Do you think that will help her self-esteem? Like no therapy session, you can talk till you're blue in the face. You can talk and talk and talk and talk. But you planted something and it grew and you can eat it? Right? Because if you can't eat it, ah, maybe I, you can eat it or flowers that you can put on the Shabbos table that you planted or that you picked or you went to the blueberries and you picked them. Picking is not as much as planting. Agriculture therapy is amazing. And who's the therapist? God's the therapist. He makes it grow. It's, it's, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. So part of what we're doing up there we're taking some of that land and maybe I'll have him come once talk here because there's, there's a couple Hashem sends the right people there's a couple he's a farmer young guy just got married the two of them she just finished her, she just finished becoming a uh, social worker and he's a farmer and they got married and he lived in Alaska in the woods for three years he's a nature guy he's a survival Specialist, he's going to teach everyone how to live in the woods. I said, So, I said, We're, we're talking to him, what are you going to do? He's going to farm, he's going to fit. And then we're going to go to some trees and I'm going to teach them how to get maple syrup for their pancakes from the tree. I'm like, You got the job. You're in, man. Because I even, I don't know how to do that. I, I don't even know how to do that. So, all these things, right? So, we're so victimized. We're so, we're so. Again, I'm not, I'm not blaming anyone because you know what? When you're in pain, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a, um, a letter that I got from a girl actually yesterday on the night of Tishabo because I don't want to read it before Tishabo. I have a girl that's in like sick pain. Crazy stuff. She doesn't cut, she burns. It's even worse than cutting. Crazy pain. She wrote a letter to God. I'm gonna read that letter. I mean, I hope this will be a yantiv. I'm trying to do something about it, like I spoke last week. But she's not a victim. She's in pain, but she's not a victim. I think that's godless. She writes it. I'm in pain, but I'm not a victim. A victim is a state of mind. Pain is a state of being. The state of mind and state of being don't have to be the same. State of being is I'm in pain. But that my head is that I'm a victim and I can't do anything and I'm a nebuch and everyone has to feel sorry for me. That's a state of mind. That's up to you. And we'll talk about Yosef Atzalik. Whatever, we'll go through, we'll go through other things. Tishabov really should be a terrible time to, what are you doing to us? We're going through all the cancer. We're going through Shalom bias problems. We're going through people who can't have kids. We're going through financial problems. We're going through all this stuff. And now you want me to sit there. I got enough, we got enough stuff. We have, we can write our own little tennis. We have enough stuff. Never before has Kaisro gotten all the stuff at one time. And now you're telling me, no, that's not enough. Sit down for, for a whole day and talk about all the stuff they went through too. So not just your stuff, 
Let's talk about women eating their kids. Let's talk about Zechariah Hanavi, them killing them, that there were mounds of brains until the, the king of Rome, or wherever he came from, said, I will kill everyone until your blood stops boiling. Why do I need to talk about Rabbi Akiva, how they raped him, Rabbi Shmuel Kohen Gadol, how they ripped off his face? I got so much trauma. Why am I reading this on Tisha B'av? Why are they doing this to all of us? We got enough stuff. We can sit on the floor with our own stuff. And now we added on the Holocaust too. Rabbi Schwab wrote one, and the, and the above a Rebbe wrote one. So for all the Holocaust survivors who went through the Holocaust, let's talk about it. What's going on here? Just the opposite. We shouldn't talk about it at all. And the answer is that the Jewish nation are not victims. We are not victims. We are the phoenix. We have come out of the ashes, right? Everybody wants our land. Everybody wants our head. Everyone wants our intelligence. Everybody wants our finances. Kleistrel is not a victim. Oh, yeah, we went through trauma. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about all our trauma. But going through trauma, and I'll tell you a story about this, going through trauma and still being here is a proof that we're not victims. So on Tisha B'Av, we sit on the floor and say, you burnt one base, Hamikdash, still here. You burnt another base, Hamikdash, still here. You caused our own mothers to eat their children, we're still here. You raped Rabbi Akiva to death, we're still here. 400 guys and 400 girls jumped off so that they wouldn't do something wrong. We're still here. A brother and sister, if you know that story, one of the saddest stories, Jeremy always says he, cries, he cried about the most, where, where there was this very beautiful boy. I think he was Rabbi Shmuel Kohen Gadol's son. Rabbi Shmuel Kohen Gadol, I always talk about it on Tisha B'Av. Rabbi Shmuel Kohen Gadol, the Gemara says that when the angels came and saw him in the base of Megdash, I don't know what this means, they said he looks a little bit like God. It's got to be pretty beautiful, okay? So he was like really, really, really beautiful. And he had a son and a daughter. And there's a whole thing. He was a Gilgal of Yosef HaTzadik. And I, I always read this to the boys. It's a very scary thing to think about. So what happened with him was that he was one of the Sarei Ruge Malchus. And he was so beautiful that the daughter of the king that was killing all these rabbis, she said you got to leave him alive. I never saw such a face. I want to be able to look at his face every day. So the king said, I can't do that. He has to die. But what I will do is I will peel his facial, his whole face. I will peel it off his head and we will stuff it like a stuffed animal. And you can have it in your room and you can see his face. So when we read the kinnis, when they were peeling off the skin of his face, and they came to the place of his tefillin. The earth shook. And the malachim said, This is how you reward holiness, Hashem. And Hashem said, One more word from you, and I will turn the world back into water. So in the Kinnis we say a story. So when they captured these two, his two children, his daughter and his son, so the man that captured his son said, we got to breed this guy. we got to breed him because his children are going to be that beautiful. And as slaves, they're going to be worth a lot of money. So I want to use him. I want to breed children from him. And there was another Roman there. And he said, eh, you think he's good looking? I got a girl that's much better looking than him. He said, I have a great idea. Let's put the two of them together in a room. Right? 
They don't know Jewish kids. They figure they put them together in a room, the lights out with a bed. She's going to get pregnant. He stood at one side of the room a whole night with a dark, pitch dark room, crying. I, the son of Yishmoy Kongadol from the Kohanim, should be with a mate, with a, with, a, with a slave. He didn't know who it was. It was dark. He cried in the corner, Hashem, please, I can't do this. Don't. Uh, she on the other side, I, the daughter, they didn't know, they didn't see each other yet. I, the daughter of, of the Kohen Gadol, from the Kahanim, I should be breeding with, like, what? Chas I won't go near him. So he was in one corner of the room, she was on the other corner of the room. When the sun came through the window, and they turned around and they saw each other, it was brother and sister. And the kiddush, it says, that they ran to each other and hugged each other and cried out to Hashem, God forbid they should be brother and sister, God forbid. And they cried so deeply that they both died on the spot. And Yirmiyahu says, of all the things I saw that I cried about, this was the greatest thing. What would happen today if we did something like that, that experiment? I wouldn't do that experiment. I wouldn't do that experiment today. So what came out of this? So we're sitting on the floor and we're saying, we're still here. We're still here. So we're not a victim. We're not a victim. We're in pain. We're missing our base Hamigdash. We don't have God. We're lost. But we're still here. And we're still doing things in the world. And there's still Torah. And there's still Tzniyos. And there's still kids on the Derech. And there's still Yerushalayim, even though it's in a Chorban, and there's still an Eretz Yisrael, and Eretz Yisrael and Yerushalayim has different laws than the rest of the world. And every day in Yerushalayim, there's Bechaz Kahanim, still here. So actually, Tisha B'Av Yantif, because as you're talking about the trauma that we went, to, went through, you're celebrating that Klai Yisrael is bigger than ever, and Klai Yisrael is still here. And that's the mindset. Now, how to get to that mindset, we'll talk about. But that's the mindset. We have to stop walking around that we're a bunch of addicted, whatever, abused, because that is the mindset of a victim, and that is the mindset of a person who gives up. And Kleisrael doesn't give up. Spanish Inquisition. They killed us in every which way. They burnt us, crusades. They, they crucified us. They have killed the Jews in every kind of way that you can kill a Jew. They put us in crematoriums, they put us in ovens, they shot us, they hung us, they burnt us. All, all Misa's beds in Israel had. You tried everything. You tried everything. And all the guys who tried are not here anymore. We are still here. So after every kinna, when you finish it, you're like, and we are still here. And we are still here. And we are still here. So that, that, that mindset of a, being a victim it's not Jewish. It's not Jewish. So we have to pick ourselves up. It's very easy for you to say, you never went through anything. Well, that's not true. And it's never easy to say. And, and, and you do have the choice. You do have the choice of, of being a victim. And I'm not judging a person who's like that. Because sometimes I have seen such trauma, right, that you cut someone's arm off. You can have a good mindset, but you still don't have an arm. I've seen such trauma that I, I don't know that it's fixable. 
sometimes the trauma is so bad that I don't know that it's fixable but if it is fixable then we need to we need to we need to stop licking our wounds and and and, and start doing things and start doing things and not everything is an addiction right and everything has an excuse and we speak about rationalization we have that choice you have that choice I think what you need to take out of this year is that you had trauma Kleistral had trauma private people have trauma that you're in pain there's a lot of people in pain and there's been a lot of people in pain but are you a victim are you living your life as a victim it's a state of mind we just had a chai uh, bike for chai 80 miles I didn't know this kid but someone showed me a picture of a boy who was in a wheelchair and um, he did the 80 miles in a wheelchair with his hands I didn't know who he was but I spoke and his mother was in a place that I spoke about people who were going through all kinds of diseases and his mother told me about it two days ago he called me he wants to come speak he wants to see the ranch actually he really wants to see the ranch he did 80 miles in a wheelchair five times cancer five times got cancer cured came back cured came back cured came back cured came back until he finally lost his legs right no no he's, he's not he's not talking like that he's like I'm good to go rabbi I just did 80 miles they tell me he doesn't stop smiling I know guys that were with him he doesn't stop smiling he's up and I told him he has to come talk in Arnava is that does he have legs no was he in pain did he take every chemo yes is he a victim no way he's a champion not a victim he's a champion it's the mindset it's the realization that you could still do a lot Rabbi Akiva opened up the yeshiva and redid everything it's the mindset it's the it's the push forward it's the understanding if you put a seed in the ground and you take care of it and you water it it's going to grow ground has the power Hashem gave the power for it to grow then you can be scared of horses and scared of animals and three months later being on a horse and six months later being in a competition I met girls through the reason I went to get horses girls that would not talk to you girls that went through crazy trauma totally shut down they wouldn't look at you they wouldn't talk to you they weren't eating they were eating disorder they were anorexic they were self-inflicting mutilation they were doing everything that you can imagine and I met these girls and I, in psych wars and I, they went to places and I came back six months later and the girl's on a horse I'm like how did this happen? And they're like, equestrian therapy. Rabbi, you got to do equestrian therapy. And she, it took her a while. She didn't want to get on the horse. She didn't want to touch the horse. The first thing they did is they taught her how to brush the horse. Just like you brush your hair. Just brush the horse. Don't, don't, don't ride it. And slowly but surely, she became one with this animal. And the animal trusted it. Trusted the girl. And the girl trusted the animal. And, and she had discipline. Because in English riding, you have to sit straight. You know? It was fascinating. What, in English riding, these are, these are not Jews, right? English riding, when you ride, a woman rides, she has to have a helmet, right? You're not allowed to have a strand of hair sticking out of the helmet. Nothing, nowhere. It's like a frum. I'm serious, that's the rule. You don't go, you, if you come to a competition and one strand of your hair is out of that helmet, you don't ride. You don't ride. And so one, of, one of the women that is teaching my us said, you have to wear a shirt that's a button-down shirt. A certain look you have to have. She came to a competition. She's one of the best in a in a in a t-shirt. I don't know exactly what. Why? You can't ride, even though she's one of the best. So you got to be dressed like a mensch. 
Your hair can't even be out there. The discipline. You have to sit straight, right? You know, I, I was just, we bought a, a bunch of horses. So I was in this horse place in Muncie, whatever it is, and had like 20 kids riding, right? There wasn't one sound. I wish my shoe would sound like that, right? There was one sound in the whole place. So I, I didn't want to make noise. So the woman that's Dana, Dana Mays with our, I walked out, I said, are you allowed to talk in there, in the arena? No way. There's no talking. There's no talking. Your hair's in there. You dress a certain way. Discipline. And what happens from this discipline? You learn to control something. The reason that people are have eating disorders is because their control, most of the time, was taken away from them. Somebody hurt them and took away their ability to control. So they lost control. And they want to take control back. And the only thing that a human being can really control, you can't stop breathing, right? The only thing you can really control and live, to a certain extent, is eating. So they take back control and say, I am not eating. I am not drinking. I have taken back control. Came these people who were very, very smart and said, we will give you control back without hurting yourself. You will have control on your horse. Fast, slow, stop, left, right. You have now have control over something. You are taking back control. And that's how they start to, it's, it's godless, how they start to take back control. And they trust that they don't trust human beings. They have the trust of the source. I've, I've seen it. It's, it's amazing. I, you know, I told you, but there's a, there's a, there's a strategy. Hakurish Baruch Hu brought horses into this world to help us. He brought farms into this world to help us. There's music therapy where, how does music therapy work? You, you can play an instrument, so you're good at something. You play piano, you're good at piano. So then let's use the piano to help you feel good about yourself. Talking to someone in a room for an hour, it's important, don't get me wrong, but to feel good about yourself is to be able to play Beethoven's Fifth on a piano or to plant something or to, to be on a horse or to ride something positive. When you're a victim, you go into a dark place. There's nothing positive. You don't want to do anything. You don't want to get up till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You don't want to talk to anybody. You don't want to eat. You don't, you, you, the mentality is of the victim mentality is, look what they did to me. I don't, I don't have to do anything anymore. But Kachoy, you have that choice. But Antishma was sitting there and we're reading everything that happened. We're not a victim. We're still here. And we have yeshivas. And we have kids that are learning. And we have Shabbos. And we have kosher. And we have a Eretz Yisrael. And we have Gedolim. And, and you keep reading all these stories and Baruch Hashem, women are not eating their children. Refrigerators are full. And there are pomegranates in the world. And there's these fancy food, regular food, kailel food, whatever kind of food you want, it's available. So we're sitting on the floor and we're talking about all the stuff that we went through and we have to focus on what we have. They were so hungry they had nothing to eat. And if you look in the Holocaust, you see pictures of, 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 the, of the ghettos where kids were laying on the floor dead. There were bones. I, I, I was very into the Holocaust. And as much as it hurt, right, to look at those pictures, women and children dead all over the streets in carts. There were bones, right? They had nothing to eat. It was the curse of Pasha's Kisabo. It was the curse that the Torah talks about. It was what happened in the base of Megdash. And today, today, we have whatever we want to eat, whatever we want to eat. I spoke in a camp 
very from very good camp. I spoke much of Shabbos this past much of Shabbos. And I got up and said, girls, they, they, they asked me to speak in the camp about Ben Olam Chavero. Clicks, bullying, girls from Israel don't speak the language, girls from one school and another school don't talk to each other. So they wanted me to come into this camp. I guess every camp has a situation. And talk about Achdos, and it's the nine days. And you shouldn't talk to Shin Hara, and you shouldn't leave somebody out. And I get up, and I give this whole speech. And I have the Chabot Tzachayim, what he said. I have all these Maya McClemens. And as I'm speaking, I'm getting angry. Which, you know, never happens, right, with me. And I'm getting angry as I'm speaking and telling them all about and what, it, you know, I said, hold it, time out. End of speech. So end of speech, I can't talk about this anymore. What's going on, Rabbi? I said... I drove up to this camp, manicured, every camp, manicured. When I was growing up, there was no air conditioning. Now, the base medish has air conditioning. The lunchroom has air conditioning. We didn't have air conditioning. We had flypaper. That's what we had. That was it. You got your hair stuck in it, right? Flypaper. We used to schwitz in the nine days because you couldn't go swimming. And Hashem, for some reason, the nine days, you know, it's the hottest, whatever it is. We used to schwitz tish above. We used to sweat. There was no air conditioning. You had big fans, but they were blowing hot air on you. It didn't really help you. Now you go to camp, air condition. Girls come with their trunk. It's like 95 dresses, 35 pies of sneakers, right? So I got some mice. It's a whole, right? You bring a truck in there. The trucks come. The truck comes to pick up the trunk. It's this big with a duffel bag and a trunk. And by the way, we'll pay extra for the third piece, right? It's like, so I was like, I said, I, I got to tell you girls something. 80 years ago, the word camp meant death. If you were going to a camp, it was Auschwitz, Treblinka. They were called camps. Those were camps. And how did you get there? Not on uh, the ones that leave you know, Flatbush Bay Parkway, those, those beautiful buses, right, on a Greyhound, whatever they are, with three bathrooms in the back and a shower, right, with the seats all the way up. Brand new buses, because God forbid you send the kid up in a school bus. <laughs> Forget about it. A school bus? We're not going to that camp. Who sends kids up to the mountains of the school bus, right? Beautiful bus, right? Everyone has a movie. They play a movie on the way up, a nice kosher movie, whatever it is. All the kids are sitting there. They're playing with their baguette. They got bags of, of snack just to get them to camp. Here's your snack bag to get you to camp, right? Potato chips and popcorn and pretzels and that, right? It's not normal. It's not normal, right? There were trains squashed into boxcars and dying in the boxcar. No water, no air, hot boxcars. And when they opened up, all the juice fell out dead. That's how they got to camp. And when they got to camp, you either died in a crematorium, a gas chamber, or you starved to death. That was camp 80 years ago. I'm like, girls, why do I need to get up here and talk about Ben Adam Lechavero? Don't, don't you see what God did for us in the last 80 years? He took us from the worst place on earth. He took us from a camp that exterminated Jews. And now we're up in the Catskills. And it's not good enough to be in camp because every camp has to go on a trip. You have to go to Hershey Town and Hershey Park. 
and all these other places, and water parks. Ah, you have three pools, water parks, and the camp that has the most trips is the best camp. So just being in camp is not enough, and the camp has a gym, and two pools, and air conditioning, and three, three meals, and snacks at the pool, and of course, because otherwise you're competition, right? So I'm like, why don't I have to get them? And you're coming to this camp, and you're not talking to the girl next to you? Do you know the stories in the concentration camps when they had a blanket for three people and they stretched it out for six? Do you know the stories in the concentration when they had a crusty little old piece of bread and they shared it with their neighbor? Did you have to go in there and tell them, I said, how dare you have me even come talking about the subject? This is a crazy subject. Look what HaKadosh Baruch Hu did in 80 years. Look at our kinderach. When you stood at the train, they took babies out of their mother's hands, the Nazis. They took the kids crying and screaming from their mother's hand, and they shot them in front of their mother. You go here, and the, the parents are by the buses, and they're hugging and kissing their kids, and clothing, and food. And I'll see you on visiting day, God forbid, I shouldn't see you for, for 10 days, right? So you're visiting day, and don't forget, we're going to bring another box full of candy. And every Friday, God forbid, if you don't send camp packs, right, then you're not a good mommy. So, like, we just keep the food going. Then we don't understand why the kids are obese. Like, what happened to you? Like, Chaim, what happened over the summer? Ma, you just kept sending me food, and you put $100 in canteen. So after I'm finished, I'm going to have some Franks and popcorn and some other stuff, because they don't give us enough food in camp, right? So I'm saying, and it's great. I was in camp. I, I lived 10 months of the year to be there for the two, mo- two months in camp. It was the best time for a kid. The best time, the best place. But... You're not a you're, you're not a victim. Eighty years later, look what we have. Look what we have. Our kids are in camp. A great time. The fresh air. Look what we have. We victims. Did we go through tragedy in the Holocaust? Oh yeah. Are there people that are in pain? Oh yeah. We're not victims. We got camps. We got air conditioning. I mean, someone was telling me today in shul. He's like, oh, I know it's going to happen. Every single year at Tisha B'Av, it's going to be 115 degrees. I'm like, who cares? You go to shul air conditioning, to your car air conditioning, to your house air conditioning. You don't even know how warm it is outside. I'm like, this is not what it was 20 years ago or 30 years ago. This is not B'nai Barak, where half the houses still don't have air conditions, and it's hotter than it is in New York. I'm like, what are you complaining about? Tisha B'Av could be a million degrees. We're in the air conditioning. So on Tisha B'Av, at the same time, that was sitting on the floor and going over all the pain that we went through, it's a yantif. Tishabov is a yantif. Because look where we are. We're not there anymore. We're not in those camps. We're in the new camps. We're not starving. We have food. We have parents. We have grandparents. My generation didn't have grandparents. Who had grandparents? Most of the, our generation, our grandparents died in the, in the Holocaust. Our parents definitely didn't have grandparents. Wow. What a resource today. Baruch Hashem, most people have grandparents. What a resource. I go to Bobby, I'm going to Zadie. You didn't hear that 50 years ago, 58 years ago when I was born, 59 years ago, 60 years ago. I'm going to Bobby and Zadie. There was no Bobby and Zadie, most of the people. Bobby and Zadie were in Europe, not alive anymore. Now you got Bobby and Zadie, not only that, Baruch Hashem, you have Alta Bobby and Alta Zadie. Great grandparents who are very young. What a resource. A Bobby and a Zaydi, to go there, you're safe. They don't yell at you. They don't complain. They just give you whatever you want. So when you're sitting on the floor and you're going through everything we lost, you've got you to focus on everything we have. 
instead of counting that, we have 75. I don't know where they're up to in their count. 77 suicides since, since Sukkot, or wherever they're counting. Maybe Ruth will come and tell us how many kids were born in Maimonides today. Instead of focusing on all the negative, nobody says, and today, since Sukkot, since Sukkot 22,000 kids were born. We are so focused on being victims. We're so focused on negative and we're in pain. And so, of course, everyone's going off and, and, and leaving Hashem. Because if you're just going to focus on everything that's wrong, I said, how come nobody keeps count? How many Bali Chuvas, right? We know how many people are going off the dirt. How many Bali Chuvas were made in the last year? How many people who didn't know anything about Yiddishkeit are now religious Jews? Shomer Shabbos. Anyone know the number? No. Anyone know how many kids were born today? No, but if someone died, everybody, shh, all over the place. Someone died, everyone, Ayvei, Hashem, what are you doing? What's going on? Does anyone know anything about kids being born today? Does anyone know how many people beat cancer today? Does anyone know? This I can tell you. You know what's going on? We have a shitter crisis, right? We do. And we'll talk about that. That's not tonight. We have a shitter crisis, and we do. And it's very hard. You cannot get a hall right now if your daughter gets engaged or son gets engaged, you will not find a hall for a wedding until next Shavuos. There's nothing available. But yeah, a hall episode out there, you know, if you go to Mexico, there's a hall somewhere in the corner, wherever it is, you can find a hall. Can't find a hall! Can't find a makeup artist. Can't find someone to, to, to do your hair. You can't get in to a Sheikomacher. You know, what, how does a wealthy know about this? I have five daughters and a wife, right? You can't get into a Sheikomacher. You have to use the Sheikomacher's trainee who's like the Sheikomacher. So you can't get a Sheikomacher. Sheikomacher became like a rub. It's like, booked. We're booked out six months. You can't, you know? Forget about it, right? Sheikomachers are expensive. Everyone has Sheikomachers. Everyone has Sheikomachers, right? No one's focusing on how many marriages. Baruch Hashem. I know we're missing a lot. But at the same time, we have a lot. Every time I go to a wedding, I stand there and I'm like, wow. Two Jewish kids because I deal with so much intermarriage. I'm like, a Jewish guy, girl, and a Jewish boy are getting married tonight. That's huge. That it's a girl and a boy is huge. It's also huge. I'm not saying it's a joke. You're laughing. It's also huge. But Hashem was still right. So the Jewish, it's a girl and it's a boy, and they're Jewish, and they, have, and they have potential, and we have hope. It's like, wow. So at the same time, there's a lot of pain, and there are a lot of single girls, and there are a lot of single boys, and a lot of single, and I, I have a plan. I do have a plan. I think, personally, I was really going to talk about this on Tisha Maybe I'll repeat it. I think that all single girls above the age of 25, every single girl above the age of 25, I don't care, you're 40, 50, 26, they should all go to Eretz Yisrael together, and maybe we as, as Klaishol should put up the money. They should all go to the Klaishol together, and Klaishol should see how many there are. So when they get to the Klaishol, because I don't believe there's enough room at the Klaishol. And they should all go one day and together say the whole Tehillim and break Shemayim's doors open. Everyone. And Klaishol should look how many girls at the age of 25 are not married. Because we think, eh, you're going to take a look at that, you're going to be like, I got to do something. Because I don't think there's enough room at the Klaishol. I think they're going to go all the way up and up the road and all the way up to the, to, to, to the doors of Yushalayim. That's how many girls like. should show everyone what is going on. Break the doors. 50,000, 80,000, whatever it is, 100,000 girls, not married, the whole Tehillim together, bigger than Bichas Kahanam. So we should do. Everything else is not working. 
That's what we should do. I don't know who's going to put up the money for all that. Maybe, maybe the girls are all working. Maybe we should talk to do a yayim for single girls. On Yom Kippur, on Yom Kippur, and Chamisha Asabaav, every single girl came to the base of Migdash. And they all traded their clothing with each other, so the boys didn't know who was rich and who wasn't. And they all came, every single girl was there. So there was a time, the time of the base of Migdash, that all the single girls would come together. And the boys, and they would make Shiduchim. Or maybe that's where it has to start again. Maybe it has to start by the base of Migdash. I don't know. Okay. So that, that's the, the beginning of my Tisha above speech. And I think that it's very, very important that we just have to stop being victims, everybody. Because nothing grows from anger. Anger, according to all this far of anger, is fire. Angry. When you get angry, you're on fire. Face turns red. You get hot. When you get angry, there's a fire. Fire burns things. Ashes that come from fire. The one thing about ashes is that nothing can grow from ashes. You can take a pot of ash and plant anything you want in it. Nothing grows from ash. Afa. Adama which is the Adam, which is the human being, which is potential. Listen carefully. We are called, Hashem called us Adam. Look at the Pasuk. He called us Adam. Hashem named us, we didn't name ourselves. Hashem named us Adam. What is that? What is Adam? comes from the word Adama. Why does Hashem name us Adama, right? Dirt. Because Adama is potential. You put a orange, uh, an orange seed in, you get an orange tree. Put a tomato in, whatever you put in, comes out. It's the human being. Human being is potential. You can be anything. You can do anything. Sometimes they stick you deep into the ground. And the more they stick you into the ground, the more you got to push the earth. But that's, where, that's, that's growth. So Hashem called us Adam because he said, any one of you, you can grow your potential to do anything. Afar, when Hashem cursed us, when he cursed us, he said, you come from Afar, sand, beach sand or or dust you come from dust and you're going to dust why is that a curse because dust has no growth dust has no potential dust takes shiny beautiful things and it makes it dull that's what dust does nothing grows from dust nothing grows from ash nothing when you get angry that fire creates not Adama it creates ash there's no growth. There's no growth from it. The growth comes from when it's when you're when you're not a victim, even though you went through that pain. So then you take that pain like that boy who, who will come to Arnava to speak, and you take that pain five times relapsing in cancer. We can't even understand. You're cured? No, it came back. You're cured? No, it came back. <laughs> nobody can we, we we don't we don't nobody can even understand. You should never understand that pain. He's like, I'm good. I'll come speak. I'm doing great. I just did 80 miles with my hands. He's not a victim. He's not a victim. Is he in pain? Yeah, but he's not a victim. Does he have trauma? Yeah, but he's not a victim. And I think that's the switch that we need to flip. Because we are, we are, we are falling into this pit of despair 
and depression and like you got to go off the derech because you were abused and all that. You don't have to go off the derech because you're abused. It could hurt. It will hurt. If you went through abuse, it's very painful and it's very traumatic. But you don't have to be a victim. The, the person who did it to you, right? That person is going to get it over the head. There's nothing to talk about. But that person wins if you become a victim. You become victimized. You don't let that person win. The person who hurt you in your life, just the opposite. You use it, like we always talk about, the struggle muscle. You use it to come out of the ashes. So we're sitting on the floor. We're sitting on the floor. And we come out of the ashes. And we all stand up. And the, and, and the men who couldn't put on tefillin in the morning, we put on tefillin. And we daven mincha. We straighten out the chairs. So a half a day, we're sitting with our pain and our trauma and all the kiddush that we said. But Hashem's not like, don't sit like that a whole day. I don't want you sitting on the floor a whole day. You're not a victim. You talked about your pain. You talked about your trauma. Get up. It's like the oval, but it's like the oval, when the oval's finished, they're available. So they're sitting. And the people say, Shh, up, get up, get up. And then they get up and they walk around. That's it. You sat, you did your availus, you had your tragedy. You gotta get up. What is the first thing they have to do? What's the, what do we do? What's the meaning? You have to go outside the house, outside the pain, outside the trauma, into the world. Your availus is over. Go into the world. Go around the house. Go back into the world. Don't become a victim. Don't sit on that chair for the rest of your life. It's not what's meant to be. So even in Tishabov, when the base of was burning and burnt all night, even in Tishabov, get off the floor. Put on your tefillin. We don't say tachanun because it's a yantif. Yantif, yeah. Part of the yantif is that you just got off the floor and you're back up. And that's what Kali Yisrael, that is our strength. Our strength is that we bounce. And that even though we went through all this stuff, we have the Kayach to bounce. And that's how we have to go into Tishabov. And we have to be thankful to Hashem that camp today means something else. And that even Tishabov today is, is a much more comfortable Tishabov. And it means something else. And we have to start focusing on the good because all we do is catch all day. We have to start focusing on how many kids were born and how many bichuvas were made and how many people were healed and how many marriages happened and how many kids are learning and how many kids are growing and how much intellectual stimuli that we have we have to we have to thank Hashem that Hashem gave us the brains to be able to create the things that we create yeah, I'm just reading in medicine stuff that's going on in medicine today it's not normal it's not normal because Baruch was giving these ideas they didn't have this years ago we have to start having our Korsatov and we have to start being thankful so I want to end with a crazy Medjish Rabbah, two seconds, in Pasha Shoftim. In Mishle, it says that Shlomo Melech said, if you want to learn something, if you want to learn how not to be lazy, learn it from the ant. Mishle, it says, Lech el Namala, and go and look at the, at the ant, Look at its ways, and you will, you will become much smarter. What could you learn from the ant? Listen carefully. It doesn't have, they don't have officers, they don't have policemen, they don't have kings. They don't have people that are controlling them. 
In the summer, it gathers its food so that in the in the fall, it has what to eat. What did Shlomo Melech learn from this from the ant? He says the following: Rabbanan Omri, the rabbis say, Hanamala, the ant has When you ever see an ant farm, it has three levels, three houses, three levels. It doesn't, it doesn't go into the, the top one because of flood. Because it's going to be in the top one and it rains into the little hole, they're all going to die. So they don't hang out in the top one. They don't go into the bottom because the water gets soaked into the bottom and run, water runs down. And if they put their food in the bottom, it's going to end up getting all wet and spoiled. So they have three houses, but they don't live on top and they don't live on the, on the bottom. They live, they live in the middle. How long does an ant live? This is a Medrash Rabbah. It only lives for six months. That's it. Lama, why only six months? Anything that's created, that's alive, that has no bone, has no skeletal, and has no veins, the most it could live is six months. And for those six months, what could it eat? How much does it eat in six months? It eats one and a half kernels of wheat. Okay? It's a, a kernel is, much, is bigger than an ant, right? One and a half kernels of wheat, that's what, that's what it eats in the six months that it lives. And it collects in the summer. Whatever it could find. In beans, and in, in wheat, and in barley. Amar I don't understand, said Raftan Chuma. If its whole life it only eats a, a, a grain and a half, he connesses his elu. Why? And, and it gathers all this food. Why does it do that? In other words, an animal has instinct. Why would Hashem, why would it gather a million times more than it needs? Sha'amra, because the ant says, this is an unbelievable medrash. Shema, the ant says, Shema, right now, the way I'm born, I can only live six months. But maybe Hashem is going to make a Gzerah, and I'm going to live much longer. Hashem's going to make a miracle for me. And I'm going to be the ant that lives much longer. But if I only prepare for what I need for six months, and then Hashem gives me a long life, I'm going to starve to death. Yelimuchan lechol. So that way I'll have enough food just in case. How many human beings think this way? So Shlomo Melech learned from the ant. He collects, even though he knows he's only going to live six months, he collects because maybe Hashem will give him longer life. He doesn't want to ever be caught with not enough. And the Medrash is saying the same thing as far as going into the next world. You don't want to ever be caught coming to the next world with not enough. So a person in this world has to collect and collect and collect and collect and never stop like, oh, I did enough. You never did enough because who knows? Who knows what you need in that next world? Omar Rav Shimon Ba'ichoy. He says, I saw, my I'm telling you a story, says Rav Shimon Ba'ichoy. Umatsu Babar, I found in, a, in, a, in an ant farm, an ant hole, Shaloish Mayo's Kur. 300 Kur. According to the translation in the Medrash, 51 
51,000 kernels of wheat. Okay, 51,000 kernels of wheat. What they prepared from the summer for the winter. Look and learn from the ant. Prepare yourself mitzvahs from this world for the next world. He says on the bottom that also another thing about ants is that Barakas men hagot gezel, they will never steal from another ant. Once an ant is carrying something on its back, another ant will never steal from an, another ant. And he says, There was a story of an ant that dropped it, la'aretz to the ground, chita achas one wheat, right? Not one of them touched it. The ant that dropped it came back, but not la'aisa and took it. Why? There's no, there's no punishment and there's no jail because the ant understands that whatever you're supposed to have, Akash Baruch gives you. I'm not interested. If, you're, if you have something, I don't want what you have. So even if you drop it, I am not going to grab it. The same ant that understands that Akash Baruch runs the world and even though he's the only... I, I was like, this is like the greatest medrash on Bitochem. You're only going to live... I remember when my father got sick. And he had esophageal cancer. And we went to the first, they read all, we went to the doctor, and he read all his tests, and you know, he said, Mr. Watson, do you want me to give it to you straight? My father was very straight. My father says, 100%. He says, you have, you have esophageal cancer. And, three months. I was sitting there. Three months. My father said, can you guarantee that? We as Jews, we, we, don't, we live one minute to the next minute. Nobody can tell you you're going to wake up the next day. We, have, we learn that you have to do everything today because tomorrow you may not be here. Can you really guarantee me I have three months for sure? The guy looked at him like he was crazy. Like nobody ever said that to him. Most people are like, oh my God, three months, what am I going to do? He's like, can you guarantee me three months? I don't think you can guarantee, you can guarantee me tomorrow I won't get hit by a car. Like, what are you talking about? People with Muna. People from Muna. So you have, you have ants that are like, we're supposed to die in six months, but who says it's going to happen? God runs the world. Never know. He might give us 60 years, and then I'm not going to have food. I have to be prepared. So, so everyone's scared about Mashiach. A lot of kids after my Mashiach share, they're like, my Wallace was so scared. I'm like, don't be scared. Be prepared. Be like the ants. Don't be scared. Just be prepared. Mitzvah Matzi Shabbos should be in Yerushalayim because we made it happen. Because we made changes in our lives. It should be in Yerushalayim in the base I made this. And here be a main one. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.